0: You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see you out. This beautiful weather, it's finally here. I'm so glad. Let's celebrate some life change together, okay? I've got several pictures up here on the screen. The first one, let's celebrate last weekend, Kyle Mayfield, who was immersed in Jesus Christ and baptism. Kyle is a husband and daddy of three, and we're so excited for him and his decision. We also welcome Zach and Kayla Kraft, who came Easter weekend as members who are fully engaged. There's Zach up front here. Really happy to have those two. They are fully engaged here, and then we witness the baptism of Bree Huber, who's involved in our Collide ministry. Let's welcome her to God's family. Well, grab your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's found there at the beginning of your New Testament. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 again this week as we're looking at these eight life-giving principles that Jesus Christ gave to us in his first sermon, if you will, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this series that we're in called Breaking Point is that opportunity that we have when we're At that moment in a relationship, as we're going to talk about this weekend, that moment in our faith where we're pushed to the limit, we have this crisis of faith, right, where we don't know if we want to push through it or not. And Jesus gives us these principles for living and tonight principles for relationship that when we apply them, we experience significant life change and we experience a little bit smoother course than where we were at just before we applied it. Now, for those of you that are new to MCC, we're glad that you're out tonight, and those that are joining us online, please take a minute, fill out that Get Connect card. Uh, that's our first uh, first touch of communication there. You'll get an email this week welcoming you and asking you to join my MCC, which is just a great way to get emails and keep in contact with what's going on here at the church. And if you're join, uh, joining us online, I always love seeing those personal messages, I go straight to social media after the service and take a look and answer your questions and uh, pray with you who would like to be prayed with. Well, eight years ago, my youngest daughter, Emma, was three. She was three and her older sister, Olivia, was seven, getting ready to turn eight. And the girls back then really liked to go to the grocery store with me. And as you've heard me say many times, I'm at Walmart every day, right? If I'm off, I go in the morning and at night. If I'm at work, I always stop on the way home and get something there. Well, Emma liked to go with me back then. And so we were walking through Walmart and she said, hey, we need to have a birthday party when we get home. And I was like, okay let's have a birthday party well we need a cake and we need some candles and I'm always down for cake and so for six bucks we got everything we needed we got a nice little ice cake there we got some candles we went home we got out her Mickey Mouse table that Olivia had played with now it was Emma's we set it all up for birthday party we got all the dolls out all the animals and even her big sister came and we celebrated a birthday that night birthday that didn't exist right but we were right there celebrating, complete with gifts that they had taken from their own collection of toys, right? Wrapped up, presented to each other at this party. Now, we've had several of those over the years, and I've enjoyed every every one of them. But listen, those of you who have youngsters or who grew up with siblings, you know what I'm about to say is true. One minute you can be celebrating a birthday party that doesn't exist, Right? and the next next minute you can be saying to each other I wish I didn't have a little sister right I wish I wish that you would just let me do this on my own I you know I'm big enough to do it on my own just back and forth right one minute good friends the next minute craziness well tonight as we talk about relationships not just marriage and not just the relationship between siblings But the full gamut, I want to ask you tonight, what is it that's keeping you from celebrating? What is it that has brought tension? What is it that has brought you to this point in your relationship with someone else? Is it a co-worker that seems to make life just difficult for you? More difficult than what it needs to be at work? Is it bitterness over a friend's social media post, right? You look at somebody's post and you just know that it's you that they're talking about. Is it frustration over the way that your spouse handled a situation five years ago or two weeks ago? Is it a broken promise, an unpaid debt, an invitation not extended? Here's the lesson tonight. And the thing about conflict is this. We get so caught up in the circumstances that we miss the opportunity. We miss the opportunity to celebrate that relationship. And we also miss the opportunity before us to deepen our most important relationships. And in Matthew chapter 5, this is where Jesus takes us next with these next two life-giving principles. The first in verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And then to back that up in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, verse 8, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Now Jesus begins with mercy. And before we talk about what mercy is and isn't, let's get to the point. It's me. It's me that he's talking to. It's you that he's talking to. I am the one. I'm the one who's to apply these principles. I'm the one that he's talking about when he says, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. He's talking about you, not the other person, not someone else. It's always you that he's talking to. I had a conversation with someone this past week. And he's guiding his children just like I'm guiding mine. in the principles of life, the things that are matter. The things that are important. And, you know, we're at that point where we're talking about friendships a lot at our house. We're talking about relationships. We're, we're talking about boys sometimes, right? And, and he said this very simple, but it's, it, it's profound at the same time. As he said to his young son, he said, before you even think about a relationship with a girl, or before you even think about a relationship with someone else, you be a Christian first. You get yourself straight first. Uh, I've often said we have these benchmarks in life and and you want to see me just lose my mind. You let me be in your presence when you tell your parent, I'm 18, I can do what I want. If you were my child, I'd squash you like a bug. Age, age, age. Age is only a marker it's a time to look at where you're at in your maturity 16 doesn't mean you start dating 16 means are you ready are you capable of having a relationship with your brother or your sister because if you're not able to have that relationship what in the world do you think you're doing hooking up with a boy or boys hooking up with a girl Be a Christian first. And listen, you older folks, we aren't off the hook with this either. Maybe you find yourself 25 years into your marriage and you're growing farther apart by the day. Stop right there and be a Christian first before you begin a romantic relationship or the third or fourth one, a friendship. Friendship that's good one day and infuriating the next. Well, those love-hate relationships. Maybe you feel like you're carrying the load of someone else and you're tired of always being the one. Be a Christian first. Why? Because the foundation of having a healthy relationship, fill in the blank, whatever type relationship, father, daughter, husband, wife, Boss, employee, friend, A, and friend, B. The foundation of having a healthy relationship with others is to have a healthy relationship with God. Period. Now you say, oh, I know people that don't know God at all, and they just seem to have an amazing relationship. I'll tell you, I buried a guy like that. This man was the best in his trade. If there was a lake dug in Scott County, this man did it. He was so good in his trade. So good. And every night he would go to the local tavern up on the square. And man, did he have friends. Right there every night. Happy to have a drink with you. Happy to sit and talk to you. Happy to... You know who was at the funeral? Me. Me. Where were the others? Where are the others, guys, when something really goes wrong in your life? They're nowhere. They're nowhere. But God is. Jesus begins with mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Where does that come from? Well, Romans 5.8 says, this is about our relationship with God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you say, oh, I've heard that before. Have you thought about it? While we, the other person, were terrible at relationship with him? Because that's what we were. We were terrible at relationship with him. That's why we're sinners. While we were terrible at relationship with him. While we were self-focused, contemptuous, Christ was merciful. While we we sure weren't doing inviting, he was. He made the first invitation, he made the second invitation, he made the third move, the fourth move, and he's still making moves. Well, that didn't come out right. But he's making moves towards you His mercy, as we just sang, is coming after you. It's always right there for you. You see, you and I, we have no relationship with God without his mercy. None. None. And why do we expect anything different? In our relationship with one another. Even to the end. Jesus endured the shame of our mistakes. He carried the load. He endured the shame. He paid the price. Notice what he didn't do. He didn't blow up. Man, if I had been up on that cross, I would have cursed the world. Especially the men who who put me there. He was mercy when we were anything But merciful. He didn't give up. He didn't walk away. That's what mercy is. It's unearned. It's undeserved. It's unmerited favor. And God has shown us that favor in Jesus Christ by forgiving us when we hurt him, (laughs) when we hurt him and when we hurt others. And he continues to show it today. Now there are at least three requirements that I want to share with you tonight. And Collide, David's got these things just honed in for you tonight. So make a few notes and be ready for some really great questions that he's got tonight in your small groups. But adults, please, please consider these things. Consider them not as points one, two, and three, but consider them as three essentials for relationship. And see if it doesn't change everything about the relationship you're in and the relationships that you make in the future. The first one we've already discussed, and that is, I am merciful to others because God is merciful to me. It's as simple as that. I show mercy toward my spouse. I show mercy toward my friends. I show mercy Towards my co-workers. Because God is, not was, but he is still merciful to me. Every day. Several years ago, one of the staff came up to me. This is several, several years ago. This staff member's uh, moved on to another um, area of service and he's doing a great job. But several years ago, he came up to me and he said, one of the older ladies... One of the ladies wants to talk with me, and I can see the look on his face, right? I've had those conversations where one, one of you comes up to me and says, I need to talk to you. And, and that's the way this lady was. She's like, I need to talk to you. And he is, he's like, just a minute. And his first stop was to me. <clears throat> Why is she asking to talk with me? And I said, well, who is it? And he told me, and I said, run while you can. <laughs> I've had several of those. No. No, I, I, I realized though why he was intimidated. I, I realized though why he was concerned because I, I had had those moments, but but I'd gotten to know her, and so I said, I listen, just go and listen to her heart. She's got great intentions. Whatever it is, I'm sure I'm sure that the two of you can deal with it. If not, then come get me, and I'll deal with it. So he went but later I asked him and it all went okay but I asked him this later I said why why did you let that get to you why were you concerned why were you on edge when she asked to sit down and talk with you and you see the reality is our reaction to other people and their reaction to us is based on some element in our life or theirs that that still needs to be handed over to God right that still needs some mercy applied to it and the kind of growth that mercy brings that's why once we recognize the mercy that God has shown us here's the second second principle and that is we need to keep God between you and me between you and me and and, and you say well, that's kind of weird well not really Drew would you mind go ahead and finish your note there but you come on up here Jake, you come on up here too. Take that hat off. I want him to see your hair with hat head. There you go. You can put it back on in a minute. All right. Let's say that Drew is God. It's a a stretch, but just just go with me. All right. And Jake is, well, Jake works for me here. Uh, He's also a friend, a fine young man. But, so let's just go through a couple scenarios boss to employee, right? Jake, man, you sucked this weekend on the keyboard. I heard five bad notes. Now, did I in any way honor him? Did I say anything that would be out of line with what he would have said? Absolutely, right? Several things, beginning with just my overall heart. And so when I'm talking to Jake, I need to be talking to him all the time. All the time. Let's say Jake is, um, Jake's my friend. Let's say Jake's a woman. All right, Let, let's just say Jake's a woman. You'll you be a woman? That's fine, yeah. Oh, very, very sweet. He changed his voice and everything, all right? Jake, well, let's not even go there. <laughs> Sorry, this is not the time to be doing that kind of stuff, is it, right? Jake is a man, Jake is a man. My point, do you get my point? I, anything that I do, anything that I say, it should all run through this filter, right? This filter right here. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Come back in the morning. We'll do better. <laughs> Are you okay with, with Jesus, with God seeing, hearing, experiencing, What's going on in that relationship, whether it's boss and employee, employee boss, whether it's friends, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's mother and daughter? There's a quarter second, what one researcher calls the life-giving quarter second. The life-giving quarter second between when a thought comes to our mind and the words come out of our mouth. A quarter second. Uh, That's not much time. But it's enough. It's enough for us to decide whether we're going to surrender that thought, that word, that action to God. Or whether we're going to bypass him altogether. A quarter second. That's not meant to say that's not any time. That's meant to say there is time. And you and I know it. You know it because you've experienced it in your heart and your life. You know you shouldn't say that, but you decide to say it anyway. And that is not honoring. It's not honoring to God, and it certainly will not, certainly will not improve your relationship. The Apostle Paul said, in your anger do not sin. Do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, what is he not saying there? He's not saying that anger is a sin. He says when you're angry, you better turn what you're about to say over to God. Because if you don't, you're more than likely going to sin. Right? And we do. And we do. When you're angry, when you're whatever, you have a choice to make. That quarter-second is when I decide if I'm going to give that thought over to the Holy Spirit or give it over to a negative action or reaction. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit living inside of us as Christians. As one writer said, "The the forgotten God We think the Holy Spirit is what gets us up dancing in the aisles and saying hallelujah or raising our hands. No. No, most of the time that's emotion. It's really good music. It's getting yourself all pumped up. The Holy Spirit's that conscience on steroids that lives inside of you as a Christian. And you either listen to him or you don't. You either take his prompting or you dismiss it because his holy spirit living inside of you as christians produce what it produces love love that quarter second is what's getting ready to come out of your mouth love if it's not then you've chosen your own thing you've ignored god altogether you've pushed him to the side his holy spirit that produces peace Is what you're about to do or say going to produce peace or only deepen the chasm between the two of you? The Holy Spirit that produces patience and kindness. I love this one. Self-control. I just couldn't help myself. I've just had it up to here. I've had 25 years of this. You don't know what I go through. (coughs) Jesus does. Jesus has put up with you for a lot longer. He's shown you mercy a whole lot longer. Did you forget that, point one? (laughs) I show mercy because he shows me great mercy every day. I decide. I want you to think about that for a little bit more than a quarter second. I want you to think about the last interaction that you had. The last interaction that you had maybe just 20 minutes ago in your mind. Uh, maybe it was out in the lobby. Maybe it was in the car on the way here. Maybe it was yesterday at the ball game. When you think about that last interaction in your most challenging relationship right now, did you surrender your frustration, your resentment, your disappointment, your anger, or not? A friend sent me a TikTok this week. (laughs) That makes the point better than I can. You guys are gonna love this. Watch this. Wife, how could I get in really great shape this summer? Well, you could always try to eat a little less. Right? It's the difference. Sometimes it's life and death. I thought that was great, but it is so true. <laughs> it's so true. We always wish that God would give us a life without difficult people in it. We always do. If this person just wasn't so difficult, if my child would, if my mother would, if my spouse would, but if you notice that every person that we look to, for example, in the Bible, every one of them dealt with a difficult Relationship, a difficult person. Just to name a few, Moses had who? He had Pharaoh. Elijah, he had Jezebel. Esther, she had Haman. David had Saul. John the Baptist had Herod. Jesus, Jesus had the whole list. He had the Romans that wanted to silence him, he had religious leaders that envied him, his townspeople who wanted to stone him, Judas who betrayed him, soldiers who beat him, the crowds who shouted for his crucifixion, and his own disciples who ran out on him. Yet Jesus never prayed for God to remove a one of them from his life. Because if he had, there'd be no people left. Instead, Jesus taught us that there is great growth when we turn our reaction over to him, his spirit living inside of us. But it's not just about the personal growth. It's not just about us. There's growth in our relationship because perhaps for the first time, we're honest, courteous, thoughtful, and merciful. If you are in the middle of a conflict, which every one of us will be, I love it when people say, I never saw mom and dad fight. Well, you weren't around much, <coughs> or one of the two are deaf. But you have a great opportunity before you. James 1.22 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How many of us have heard this said over and over again, right? But if we don't do what it says, there'll be no change. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Have you forgotten the mercy that God's shown to you? Every time you look in the mirror, you ought to think about his mercy. I'm not saying that because we should be people who beat ourselves up all the time, but just the opposite. When you look at yourself, you should see his mercy. And that should, that should propel you to show mercy to those around you. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law. Who's the perfect law? Jesus Christ. The person between you and me. The person who looks intently in him. Intently in him that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, what? He'll be blessed. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Man walked into the doctor's office. He said, I need some more pills for my colitis. The doctor said, who are you colliding with now? (laughs) Withholding mercy is not only unhelpful, but it's unhealthy Job said, some people stay healthy till the day they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. That's why Paul commands us, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of ill will toward each other. How do you do that? Be compassionate. Be kind. Engage the spirit. Keep God between you and them, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see how these, we're only on number two of the three, but do you see how they're not individual points, they're, they're stepping stones. One, recognize the mercy that God's showing you every day and show that same kind of mercy. Number two, keep that mercy right there in between you and the people that you're having relationship with. And finally, mercy is giving space. Sometimes mercy is that space. Sometimes the greatest act of mercy in a moment of frustration, when you're at that breaking point and and, and you just want to say what's on your mind, is to give space instead of rehashing it, instead of just keep on running it in the ground. And I'm not talking about the space of moving out. I'm not talking about the space of divorce. Please, please be kind enough to admit to the people around you that when you divorced your spouse because you could not show mercy or they did not show mercy to you, that your problems didn't go away. Please admit that to people when they come to you and say, I can't stand Sally or I can't stand Joe. I'm going to leave them. It doesn't go away. You still got to deal with it. Why not deal with it now? Mercy's giving space instead of rehashing the conflict. What does that mean? Last Saturday, I was on my way here with Sarah. You notice we drove separate tonight. But I was on my way here. I was on my way here with Sarah, right? And I literally had to pull over to write down this last point. That's where it came from. I didn't steal it from one of the other preachers. It, It came from right here, real life experience. Driving down the road with Sarah, and I looked over at her and said, why are you so edgy? And I mean, the look that she gave me, I'd tell you what she says to me, but it would be so crude you wouldn't want to hear it. But she's like, I'm going to punch you in the, you know, just, she's rough. Her daddy raised her that way. But I mean, you want to get her to mad. You just say, What's wrong with you, right? Why are you so edgy? Why are you so edgy? But she has said to me for the last 18 years, in fact, she thought it had been 20 years. (laughs) But for the last 18 years, she has said to me, listen. She says, don't ask me if I'm edgy. It's obvious, isn't it, when something's bothering me, so don't ask me. And I thought, boy, that's a great point for dealing with conflict. I'm going to write that down. But she's like, you've written it down before, but you don't follow it. But it's also the point that Jesus makes for us in a relationship that came to a breaking point between Jesus and a good friend, between Jesus and one of his closest disciples, relationship between Jesus and Peter. You might want to turn to John chapter 21 if you're not familiar with the encounter because it's worth taking a look at. I've always wondered why Jesus didn't address the conflict the day that he appeared in the upper room to the disciples after his resurrection you know the conflict that I'm talking about is that Peter Peter who made a commitment to Jesus as a disciple as a follower he said where you go I'll go I'll never leave you I'll always stand by you sound familiar sounds like the covenant relationship that we make with those closest to us our our spouse right Through the thick and thin, good and bad. When you're rich, I'm rich. When you're poor, I'm still rich, right? (laughs) I'm going to stick with you. But sometimes, why, why did Jesus wait days to reconcile with Peter? And my point is this, is that sometimes mercy, sometimes, sometimes mercy is simply giving the other person some time or giving both of you to process through the emotions of it all. Conflict is is emotional. It's challenging. And he gives you both time to do some introspection. What's that mean? Look at yourself. In chapter 21, verse 3, Peter's out on a fishing boat. Now, that should ring a bell for those of you who remember how Jesus met Peter, but don't go there yet. Peter's out on a fishing boat. It's been three or four days since Christ was raised from the dead. Jesus has already appeared to the disciples, including Peter in the upper room. Showed him his uh, hand, showed him his side. It's him. He's alive. But yet he doesn't sit Peter down and talk to him one on one. He waits. This, the Bible says, John says this is the third encounter that he's had with Peter. And notice how he approaches it. Jesus calls out from shore. They've been fishing all night. He calls out from shore. There's Peter, John, James, Andrew, a couple others on the boat. They've been fishing all night. No fish. Jesus calls out from shore. Have you caught any fish? Sound familiar? Have you caught any fish? And they said, no, been fishing all night. He said, what? Throw the net on the other side. Sound familiar yet? And it says in verse whatever. Let's see. Verse uh, verse 7. It says, as soon as Peter heard John say, it is the Lord. John recognized Jesus before Peter did is what that's saying. But as soon as as John said, Peter, that's the Lord. Verse 8 says that Peter jumped into the water. He swam to shore while the other guys followed in the boat with all the fish. But Peter got to the shore first where Jesus cooks some fish and invites the guys to have breakfast. Now. Now. Why ask Peter, have you caught any fish? W- why not say, hey, Peter, hey, hey, out there on the boat, come in here. You know, three days ago, you know that little moment when I was in here getting flogged and beaten and, and some little girl came up to you out there in the, in the lobby and said, hey, aren't you with Jesus? And, and you said, no. <laughs> you, you remember that? You know what happened next? You remember me on the cross? None of that. Not a word. Look, you look all you want to in there. Not a word ever about that. Instead, have you caught any fish? And then Peter jumps out of the boat. He swims to shore. And what's Jesus do next? Peter, you remember? No. Hey, have some breakfast. <laughs> have some breakfast. says they ate breakfast together. Jesus cooked fish right there for them. They ate breakfast, and then, and then Jesus's next words to Peter, verse fifteen, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me? Three times." Jesus asks, and three times, Peter basically answers, yes, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. The other day, we were with some young people, and, and I, heard, I heard this young man say to his girlfriend, love you, and, and she said back to him, love you, and, and I thought, that is so sweet. That's, I remember when Sarah used to say, she loves me. <laughs> But my next thought was, listen, my next thought was it won't be long. It won't be long when they will really have to decide if they do love each other. Because it won't be long and they will have to decide whether they show the other mercy or not. Because that is what love is all about. And asking Peter if he loved him, I think Jesus is making this point. Jesus is asking Peter, once and for all, Peter, is our relationship more than acquaintance? <laughs> do, do we agree on these things? That I love you deeply and you love me deeply. And I'm going to always show you the mercy that you need. And you're going to cut me some mercy. Do you say, mercy towards God? Absolutely. When was the last time you said, why did God do this to me? Is that showing mercy? Same thing we say to people around us. Why are you doing this to me? I wish you would. If you would do this, then everything would be okay. If only I could show that kind of mercy to Sarah. And to the others that I have relationship with, if I could stop my impulse. Oh, I can. (laughs) I can, I've got that quarter second. Instead of saying, why are you so edgy? I can say, I love you. And I'm so glad that you're mine. She'll eventually tell me. It's my insecurity. If only. If only I could show that kind of mercy. Those moments when I feel like I'm about to break. If only I'd take a moment and go back to what brought us together to start with. What brought Peter and Jesus together? Exactly what Jesus goes back to. It was the day just like this. Peter was fishing. He hadn't caught anything. Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, your boat's empty. Throw it to the other side. And Peter says, I'm the, I'm the fisherman here. I, I know how to do this. I've been out all night. He had to trust. Jesus showed him mercy. And he said, put out on the other side. <laughs> Will you follow me? Can we be friends? Can we be disciples together? Can we do this thing together the second life giving principle Jesus gives us in regard to relationships blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God sons of God sons of God think about that title a son of God a God who showed great mercy in our relationship with him see as much as we want to fight it sometimes we do truly resemble our earthly parents we do you may want to deny it, but I, if you ever met Loyal's dad, you know that Loyal Jr. is a spitting image of Loyal Sr. And there are some things that Loyal loves about his daddy. Loved about him before he went to be with the Lord. But there are other things that Loyal's had to make a choice to do different in his life. And we see that in our lives. We see That we are very much like our earthly parents. How we deal with conflict. The choices we make or don't make. The depth of our relationship with others. But what about our heavenly father? When was the last time that we considered. Considered. How much we should look like him. Isn't that the goal? As a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. To. To look like him, to be like him. Why? Because his spirit lives inside of us. There should be transformation. There should be change. Do we resemble him at all? Well, we do when we show mercy. (laughs) We do when we work towards peace in our relationship instead of strife. We look more and more like him. Jesus felt so strongly about this. He goes on to say later in verse 23 of Matthew 5, he says, If you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, your friend has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift to me. What's he saying? Unresolved relationships are a barrier to us being right with God. It's a barrier. He says, in fact, just just stop right there. Before you tell me how much you love me, before you shower me with prayers and blessings, just stop right there. And you go and be me. You go and let my spirit have first place in you. You go and you show mercy to someone that you've withheld it from. And then you come back. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. How do they miss the grace of God? Right here. By my actions and your actions. That no bitter root grows up to hurt the spiritual lives of others. Boy, that one hit me big this week. When we work towards mercy, when we work towards peace... We're speaking Jesus. We're shouting Jesus. We are demonstrating Jesus to the lives that matter most around us. Those that we're in relationship with. Tonight, it's just one simple question. That is, are you a son? Are you a child of God? Either you are or you aren't. If you are, does the mercy that you show to others prove it? Are you working towards peace in your relationships or not? See, you're either a son, daughter, or you're not. And it all begins with this first step, and that is to come to him, to surrender yourself to him, accept his mercy, receive his spirit in baptism, and do what? Then demonstrate that mercy to others just as he has shown it to you. Let's stand and let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these principles, Father, for our life. And Lord, Lord, I, I appreciate the attention that people have given to your word tonight. And I can see it in many of their eyes. It's one of the things that I love most about getting to preach is to be able to look people in the eye and share with them the truth of your word and to see your word do what you promised it would do cut to our hearts not to condemn us not not father just to make us sad or or to feel hopeless but to give us hope to give us get us back on the trail to get us back on the path to this abundant life that you gave the life of your son Jesus for, that we could have, not just eternal in heaven, but right here on earth. And tonight, relationships, boy, we want to have relationship with others, but man, we sometimes really mess it up. I know I really, really struggle sometimes. But Lord, you've given us, you've given us the three most important things. You've given us your mercy, and you give us the strength and the spirit inside of us to show that mercy to others. And you even give give us in our creation an amount of time between when our brain acts and when our mouth acts. That if we will run that through you, if we will keep you between us and that other person, Father, we can speak life. We can speak you into that other person. Father, sometimes we need to just step back for a minute. When things get so wild and we feel like we're about to break. We need to step back for a minute and we need to let you right back in the center again. And there are some in this room tonight who who have felt that distance. And it's evident in their relationships at home. And Father, tonight we invite you right back into that. We pause those relationships and we say, God... God, I need to be you again. I need to be like you again. I need to surrender to you again so that I can go back and show mercy and peace as a son, as a child of God. Tonight, as we sing this next song, it's so easy for us to just want to speak Jesus verbally. It's easy for us to say, Jesus, be over my family. Jesus, be over my relationship. Jesus, guard my children. Jesus... Heal my depression. Jesus, help me in my weakness. But it's a whole other to speak it with our actions. Of obedience. Of applying what you've given us. Help us to not be those that look in the mirror and forget the mercy that's been shown to us. But may we apply it beginning right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come if you'd like a prayer. Come if you'd like to take that first step in receiving his mercy tonight.